world's most ridiculous pictures. They're all of me. How many of you saw that calendar? <clears throat> oh, my. See, I didn't show it to anybody. So it made the rounds before it got to me. No. I don't know what's in this, Sue. I'm afraid to drink it. Is it full of calories? You know, I tell you. I was someplace recently eating, and a very sincere person, when they prayed, they said, And dear Lord, we do trust that you're removing all the calories from this delicious food. I'm serious with you. I didn't feel I'd gain any weight by eating it because, you know, if you ask in faith, you know. I've been praying recently I lose weight without dieting. I said, now, Lord, you said if you speak to this mountain. (laughs) Now, that didn't come out right. How many of you want want to see me take some of this? See, look at all. Look at all of this. I guess I'm going to have to do this for you and for Sister Sue. What is in it anyway? I'm real skeptical, you know. Brother Manley says it's good. Look how look how fancy. Boy, I don't know. I put it on my head. Are you kidding? My head's not flat like yours. <laughs> it won't fit. <laughs> oh, are you? You're not taping, are you? I don't tape yet. <laughs> Brother, Brother Jeff, I've got something else I have to do. Oh, look at this. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what. Boy, this is good. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's everybody stand. We'll greet our guest. <laughs> I was just joking. Just take a break. Hey, this is pretty good, Sue. I don't know what's in it, but I will say it's loaded with calories. Mm. Wow. Now, I don't want anybody slipping up here and, and, and bothering this. I've got to turn it so it won't fall. Praise God. You having a good time tonight? It's always great to come to the house of the Lord. Now, there's one thing that I had planned on doing tonight, and I, I I am sorry, but I don't have all the materials, but I'd still like to do that anyway. Uh, each year, we have a Mother's Memorial uh, presentation, and then we make pledges. I do not have the pledge cards or the information concerning the Mother's Memorial offering, but the offering is taken in the month of May, it's taken after a Mother's Day. I think we have to the end of May, isn't that right, Sister Rutherford, get our offering in. And what I'd like to do, without any pledge cards or anything, and I, I want to say thank you so much for pledging for the Haitian building. Uh, we have given $2,000 for this. But our missionaries who... Uh, send new preachers to our Bible schools, our foreign Bible schools, 
we support them each year. And uh, the amount is $150. And if we, ha- if we would have tw- at least 20 people that would support a missionary for $150, you'll have until the end of May. Isn't that right, Sister Rutherford? Can we wait that late? This would get us off to a very good start on our Mother's Memorial offering. Now, some of you may not be able to support a missionary for 150 so we'll take pledges for even less than that. And, of course, this will just be used in our Mother's Memorial offering. But uh, how many of you could stand with, with Sister Grant and I? We'll both stand. We'll give $150 apiece. Uh <clears throat> She'll give me 150 so that I will be able. How many of you can stand with us that you would support one for $150? How many of you can do this? All right. And what we need to do is just write the names down, and we will send you a card of thanks. So uh, is Sister Thorpe here? Um, I don't know of an offering that we take in our church that has a, a greater uh, benefit than than these Bible school uh, students uh, or, or supporting our Bible school students. Uh, we received word sometimes, I, I believe it was about four years ago, our ladies were saying that for every Bible school student, who goes to Bible school, that they are responsible for the winning of near 5,000 souls in their lifetime. So you can see what your offering does. Now let's see how many we have standing. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. All right, we're near the 20. Okay, 19 and 20, all right. This is 20 people supporting our Bible school students for $150. Now, you can turn that in each week. That is a portion of that. Or you can turn it all in immediately or any time between now and the end of May. All right. You have all the names, Brother Manley. Do we have 20? All right, he has 19 standing. All right, 20 standing. Okay. All right, you may be seated. Why don't we do this then, just so that we can go ahead and take all of our pledges. How many of you would be willing to pledge at least $50 for Mother's Memorial? Would you stand then? All right. Okay. Some of you may choose to sponsor a missionary, and yet at the same time... uh, contribute above and beyond that okay so one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen nineteen twenty twenty one twenty two twenty two people all right and you may be seated now what about twenty five dollars how many of you can support mother's memorial with twenty five dollars would you stand then This will just take us a moment of our time, and we'll have this all out of the way, and we'll have a good offering. $25, all right? There's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Remain standing, okay? 
because people are, some are, are still standing and some are standing. And after I count, then, then you're, all right. Any, anyone else for $25? Okay, let's, let's take a head count then. Okay, 10. All right. All right. You may be seated. And what, what about $10 then? How many of you can support Mother's Memorial with $10? All right. This, God bless our young people. All right. Okay, $10. Just stand. Remain standing, please, all of you. All right. There's one, two, three, four, five, six. All right. Six. Okay. All right. God bless you. And then, of course, we will be taking our offering. Uh, <clears throat> we take the offering, actually, the week after Mother's Day. But we want to try... If we possibly can, we want to try to get all the special promotions and things taken care of before our our seven-week revival with Brother Hollis. Now, this coming Tuesday night, let me just encourage all of our parents to be in attendance. I need to talk with all of you. We've had some of our students picking up some very bad words. There seems to be just an avalanche of devils jumping on our children and causing them to use bad language. And carefully in prayer, I came up with a plan to keep the devils off of them. So you want to hear about this plan. It's very, very simple, but it does take your cooperation and a little help from me. So if you will... Come Tuesday night, we'll talk about this. This is very, very important. We'll have to change the handbook a little bit in order to keep the devils off. But I'm sure with a lot of perseverance on our part, we will be able to prevail against the enemy. Praise God. Praise God. You know what this does? It leaves kind of a different taste in your mouth. And I want to drink the rest of it. But I can't afford to, because I want some for after service. <clears throat> and unless Sue brought along a whole jug full of whatever's in there. I'd like for you to turn to Matthew 24 and just take your Bibles and stand. Uh, <clears throat> I've done a lot of kidding around tonight, but I am in a very, very sober mood. I uh, am feeling that this is our greatest hour ever for revival. I believe that. This message tonight, I want to tell you, is not a very well-prepared message. Uh, I just, truthfully in prayer, seeking the Lord, I just decided I wanted to talk to you Along these lines. So Matthew twenty four fourteen, Jesus said, And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. You may be seated. I was just recently recently purchased a, a computer. I'm going to become a high-tech preacher. Uh, and there's all kinds of things on this, neat things. It's a, 
It's a laptop. It's not much bigger than the Bible here. It's got a lot of information. It, it, uh, it's got a brain in it, they say. I picked it up and weighed it, and then I kind of felt my head. <laughs> it's heavier than my head, so it's got to be smarter than I am. That's the way I figure, you know. It's got a lot of neat things on it, seriously. It's got a lot of neat things on it. But I guess in just, you know, browsing through some things, I just uh, <clears throat> decided that I would uh, see what was in the Bible dictionaries and such and all the references uh, about hell. And uh, I just read over all that, and truthfully, it, it, it just disturbed me. It really disturbed me because I see, you know, so many, many precious people that don't know God. They just don't know them. They have not been born again. And we certainly do have our work cut out for us. We're entering into this phase of revival. We're starting our 40-day fasting and prayer for our 100-soul revival with Brother Hollis. I saw him Friday night, and he's really excited about coming. He told me, he said, Brother Grant, I would not miss this for anything. This is going to be the highlight of my year. Then I looked out tonight across the congregation, and I saw a good number of faces here that I know were not here. Uh, at the beginning of 1994, how many of you have come into the church from 1994, the start of 1994 until now? Some of you have moved in, but nevertheless you've become a part of this church. Would you just stand? Just stand up. All over the building, just stand, okay? Yeah, all right. Now, these are these are very, very precious people, all right? You may be seated. You know, somebody found you. Somebody preached the gospel message. And while we have recently taken uh, pledges for a new church building in, in Haiti, uh, it's under the direction of Brother Steve Shirley, our missionary in the, in the Dominican Republic. And while we have focused on our world... And when we say our world, basically the planet Earth. Uh, when I read this just recently, I got to looking at it. And while it is true that the Lord was talking about reaching the world, the planet Earth, uh, I, I thought about my own responsibility. And <clears throat> naturally, our world is is not as big as the planet Earth because most of us never visit the rest of it. We, we just, we're just located in a particular spot. And most of us minister in Dane County. We do have some people live outside of, that live outside of Dane County. Uh, I really do appreciate what everybody's doing in, in their efforts of outreach, but I just feel like <clears throat> that, uh, you know, we can do a lot more in evangelizing our world. I'm talking about our area. area. Uh, 
than what we're doing. Uh, I just saw in the paper yesterday, at the start of 1990, <clears throat> that the population of Dane County was 367,000. Uh, and it's growing. Uh, I, I don't recall what the figures were that I saw on the 1995, but I did see those right after the first of the year. And it seemed like we had gone over the 390,000 mark, I think 23,000 people, they said had been added to Dane County, uh, <clears throat> in which they they were saying that that we might go over the 400,000 by the end of 1995. Well, that's just a lot of people. And while I do not believe that you have to belong to the United Pentecostal Church in order to go to heaven, I do believe that you must be born again of water and of spirit in order to be saved. Now, <clears throat> we know that the plan that Jesus left behind at uh, the Great Commission was that we're to we're that they were to be witnesses first in Jerusalem and then in Judea and in all Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, basically, our method of reaching our world is that we need to build a strong base and then we need to develop other areas of outreach that eventually can be uh, a sovereign autonomous church that is without receiving support of this church and then uh, they can reach other people and, and I know that when we look at a city this size you know there's just no way there's just absolutely no way that we can can reach with 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 the church in one location, and we have a West Side church that we started from this church back uh, three or four years ago. I think maybe three years ago. I'm not for sure when Brother O'Neill went to the West Side. And right now we <clears throat> are having an outreach uh, program on our church uh, on the University of Wisconsin campus called the Campus Church, but it's just a Connaught and the faithful campus students have worked there untiringly. They've surveyed, they've, they've taught Bible studies. And then, more recently, our bus ministry, they have gone in the Broadway-Simpson area, and in a community center there, they've started having Tuesday night services. Several people have been filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, in those services already, and I think they've had three, is that right, brother? Three services already. Three. So this coming Tuesday will be their fourth service. I don't know how many people have been filled with the Holy Ghost there, but I think three or maybe more. And then some in church. Some have been brought to church and filled with the Holy Ghost. But uh, if, we have, if we've ever needed to spread the gospel and start these outreach Groups, and I think that's basically the key. In other words, Pentecost must become, what should I say, a, kind of a household name. I was amazed when I was in Marshville uh, Friday night, 
on one end of town, there's a Hardee's, and when you drive across town, about two-thirds of the way through town, there's another Hardee's. And I told Sister Grant, it seems strange. There's a Hardee's there, and then there's one down here. But see, what, and, and sometimes as Christians, we think we have a franchise on the city. You know, it's Calvary Gospel Church, and that's it. It isn't that way. It should not be that way. Uh, we want Pentecost to become a household name. When people think of churches, they think of Pentecostal. You think of appliance, appliances, what do you think of? GE, Brigidaire, you know, Whirlpool. You know, there's certain names that you think of. Think of automobiles, what do you think of? Money. What Brother Manley said. <clears throat> Then all of a sudden, you know, you think of, you, you, you read about a car. Now, there's so many cars now, I, I, I can't keep up with them. I can't even pronounce all of them. Really. I used to, you know, I used to keep up when there was Ford and there was Chevrolet. And then there was Ford and Chevrolet. And, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, but, but you, I, I just knew the names of all the, you know, the various Ones within within that, like General Motors, you know, Pontiac and Buick. And but now, you know, there's just so many. Just give up. Like the one lady. You know, this man had a little little puppy and got, got the mange. And so he took it down to the vet, and the vet says, well, it's got the mange, but what you need, there's a powder we put on them and stops your little pooch from itching. So... The vet went in, was going to get some, some of this powder, and he couldn't find any. He said, well, if you just start, stop by Farm and Fleet. So they have a powder, and it's not quite as good as mine, but it, it, it'll do. So the guy went over there and got out, and when he got out, the, the dog jumped out, little little pooch. Went underneath the cars. The guy looked all around. You know, he couldn't, couldn't find him. So what in the world? So he saw this one elderly lady way across the parking lot. He went over and said, ma'am, have you seen my itchy poochie? And this lady looked at it and she says, You know, I don't keep up with Japanese cars. I'm not for sure I saw your itchy poochie or not. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I told you I was in a sober mood, didn't I? You know, <clears throat> there's so many brands of religion around nowadays, too. Just. And you know, to, to a lot of people, Pentecost is just another itchy poochy. You know, it's just a, it's just another church. And that may be all that some people will ever know. See, Paul says in First Corinthians, he says, "If this gospel be hid, he said it's hid to those that are lost." Second Corinthians four verse three. And <clears throat> while there are certain people that don't know about it. Because even when, you know, it's presented to them, they don't care enough to even look into it. I do believe that we have a saving message. The saving message. Now, I believe that with all my heart. Now, what I want to do, I want to just start going through some things with you tonight. Acts 1 and 8. This is the apostolic commission that's given by the Lord. It's also given in Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20. 
But Jesus says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And I want to talk about the need of Holy Ghost power. We need, we need the Holy Ghost to do the work. You can have all kinds of programs. You can have all kinds of revival. You know, you, you can have all kinds of talent and abilities and such, but everybody that's involved in a ministry, and everybody should be, should learn that they can do nothing without God, without the Holy Ghost. There has to be an operation of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's just good for God to just, just come down and take it out of my hands. Take it out of Brother Manley's hands. Take it out of Brother McDonald's hands. Whoever is singing here, take it out of the, uh, Sister Manley's hands as she, she sings with the children. They did such a beautiful, beautiful job. But we, we just really do need to depend on the Holy Ghost. We're starting our 40 days of fasting and prayer prior to our revival. It's hard for me to believe that, that 40 days from now, the less we will actually be involved in, in, uh, in our revival. We've got to believe God. We've got to trust God. We've got to do everything that we possibly can. If there's ever a time that you need to totally submit to God, this is the day and this is the hour. I, I listened to Sister LaJoyce Martin's tape, and she talks about the prayer closet. And the prayer closet's not a physical location, but it's it's an attitude. It's it's a prevailing spirit that comes upon an individual. She talks about all the hard times and such. My, you know, I, I now everybody obviously will not go through all those times of suffering that Brother and Sister Martin have gone through. Because I've known a lot of people that have walked through this life and they never went through that. Doesn't mean they were not yielded to God. But it's just that God did not choose that for them. There are others that uh, went through all of the sufferings and such that that Brother and Sister Martin have gone through, and and yet they they really never surrendered their their hearts to God. You know, they they really didn't. God just chooses a path for certain people. Now I, I said all that to say this, regardless of whether you are chosen by God to walk down some of those very difficult paths or not. Uh, the thing about it is everybody needs to be totally submissive to God. And someplace in a prayer closet, this must occur. It has to occur. I want to be used of God. There, there's no feeling in the world that's, that's better than, than to know that God is speaking through you and using you and talking to you. It's just, it's just necessary. It's just... Oh, it's, it's just so necessary. You know, I, I, I just, two years ago, I was teaching at a camp meeting, and a brother ran up to me, and uh, a brother that's, that's now preaching. Uh, he ran up to me, and, and he opened his Bible and says, Brother Grant, you came to our church and preached a revival. And he told me the year, I think it was 1970, uh, I believe 71. And uh, he, he opened his Bible and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. He even told me the message that I preached. He said, you preached the message that night in our church, and I was a visitor at the Apostolic Church in Duluth, and God 
fill me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. You know, when, when this brother who was rejoicing left, tears came to my eyes. You know, I, I, if he had not have told me, I, I would not have ever recognized uh, any reward in this life. Uh, but, but, you know, there's just, there's just to know that you're used of God. Praise God. You look out. Everybody that's here is here because of somebody else. And to know that, that God took you and spoke through you. And the Holy Ghost was allowed into your life and, and to move through. You know of any feeling any better than gathering around this altar and, and praying for somebody that's seeking for the Holy Ghost, encouraging them, giving them simple directions. And, and then you, you just kind of removing yourself and say, Lord, speak through this person. And all of a sudden, God just moves and speaks through these, these people. Last May, we had our revival. We had 56 people receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, we just recently had a meeting which we sat down and went through uh, the statistics of this. Out of 56 people, we had about 20 of these people were from out of town. We really don't know what has happened to, to a good number of them. Uh, we know that some have just dropped out of church, and some were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and never came back. And we certainly regret that. Uh, there are 16 of these people still attending Calvary Gospel Church all of which we are very grateful and thankful. I, I saw Brother Harold Wool. He came in church this morning. He's got this, this cancer. He's had cancer surgery several times in the last year. And not only that, but he has leukemia. Uh, he's not doing well at all. Uh, he received the Holy Ghost last year in our 56 soul revival. If, if if there was no other reason to have it other than to get Brother Harold filled with the Holy Ghost. Unless a miracle takes place, uh, he will not be here for our next year's revival. I'm serious with you. The doctor says you have about a year uh, to live, and that, that's about it. I talked with him this morning. and You know, he said, Brother Grant, this thing is broken open. You saw that big... You know, just had that cancer removed. It's all broken hope. You know, he talked with me on the phone, and he's a little hard to understand anyway. And I listened very intently. He said, "Well, I guess I just have to face up to the fact that I'm going to die." So I just very thankful, Brother Grant, for the church and the opportunity to come and worship God with you people. I thank the Lord that He filled me with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. There are people that say that you can't have revival unless you compromise the message. And that, that is not true. Jesus says this gospel of the kingdom, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 15. Now, Paul <clears throat> talks about people who come and they, they alter the gospel. They, they preach another gospel. Galatians, the first chapter, verse 6 through 9, this is what Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you 
into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. In other words, there's only one gospel. This is just the vernacular he's using. He said another gospel. You see, in other words, he's talking about people who pervert the gospel. They, they turn it around. They make it, they make it suitable uh, for themselves. Someone just recently called a situation to my attention, and, and I felt a quickening of the Holy Ghost. I said, you know what's happening to this individual? I'm talking about an individual who saw the gospel light, the oneness of God. I said, you know what's happened to this individual? I happen to know the very moment in, in which this individual rejected further growth in God. And I talked with this individual. The problem is that this individual has come up with, a, with an idea and he's trying to make the Bible fit his theory. And that's the whole problem. I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm, I'm correct in this. I know. And he has a little group around him, and, and most of these people I know, and I happen to also know that every person involved in that group, that the same thing has happened. They, they, they walk so far, and they put their feet down and said, I'm not going to walk any further. And, and when, when this happens, darkness starts to set in. If any time in your your tenure on this earth that, that you put your feet down and you say, this is as much as I'm going to give myself to God, you mark it down, darkness will set in. And God will send strong delusions. And you do not have a choice as to what lie you believe or accept. You do not have a choice. So Paul said, which is not another, but there are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Some people come your way and say, well, you know, you don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name. Or, you know, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't need to speak with tongues. You know, I've lived just long enough to know that there are people out there that way. And, <clears throat> but we don't have to compromise. In other words, here's the thing. You know, if, if, if you do something right, I just, just had a meeting in which uh, I, someone had asked me if, if I would just kind of arbitrate in a meeting. And, and so there was a principle involved, and, and, and I, had to, I, I had to look at this, and they were going to drop a certain principle because they feared the results. I said, listen, you never have to fear doing things right. But we'll upset a bunch of people. I said, but listen, if people get upset, let them always get upset when you do things right. Because when you alter what is right, then it affects other people. And other people get upset. If they get upset with you, let them get upset because you did things according to the Scripture. Well, later on, I received news. Hey, everything turned out all right and everybody was happy. I said, very rarely ever. Do you suffer when you follow truth? Now, there'll be some people get upset. But you know, <clears throat> in the long run, you win. It's just great to know. It's great to know. And, and I've talked with some people that said, oh, but you, you, know, you have to be careful about, about the, the preaching of truth. And I believe that you have to use discretion. You know, there's certain things that we teach in our stewardship classes. 
that, that I think that people, they need to, they need to develop a, re, uh, a relationship with the Lord before you, you know, you, you talk about certain things. Certainly. You know, we don't pray people through the Holy Ghost and pass the hat right in front of them and then say, empty out your wallet. You know, but maybe sometimes down the road the Holy Ghost will speak with someone and say, you know, you need to give $150 to a missionary, you know. You follow what I'm saying? But, but, but the important thing is that we, we just can't tamper with truth. Why? Because we're not the author of this. God alone is the author and finisher of our salvation. And we cannot alter this. We don't have a choice in the matter. And you know what we would do? If we, if, if, if we tampered with this, we'd take the power. When you take the blessings of God away from it, you take the power of God out of it. It, it, it just works that way. And, and, and listen to what he says. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now, the reason why Paul says that, because, you know, there are some bad angels out there. And sometimes you don't know which is a bad one or a good one. But I will assure you of one thing, that no correct angel, not an angel of God, would come and give you any message contrary to what's in the Bible. They won't do it. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Boy, I tell you what, I fear God, and I'd hate to stand on Judgment Day to face my God, knowing that I tampered with the truth. And you know, there's something else I think is very valuable and very, very precious, and that is our position on holiness. I would not want to, 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 to tamper with this and alter this. You know, truthfully, there's one thing that I, I would not want as a pastor to present to the Lord Jesus Christ a worldly church. Now, there's, there's no such thing, you know, because worldly churches won't be there, and neither were worldly pastors. But, but I just hate to know that, that I was so far out of tune with God that, that I did not see life from God's point of view. I've, I've thought about this so much. I, you know, it's history is, is an amazing thing. You know, you look back and you see some of the, the leaders of history, some of the great generals and such, and, and, and you read so much, you try to find out what made this man tick, what made him think the way he thought, what caused this person to do what they did. It's amazing. It is really amazing what causes some people to do what they do. But I know this one thing. You could, the, the only reason why that any man should ever stand behind the pulpit is because he, he is trying to properly represent the message of God to people. See, there's too many other ways in which I could gain attention. There's too many other ways that Pastor Manley is a very talented man. He can do a lot of different things that he's not doing now. And did you know what? We have people in this church that sing well enough and play well enough 
that you could make it in the entertainment field if you wanted to. But what causes you to go service after service after service and sing about every fourth service? What causes you to do that? Because you love the message of salvation. I want to sing for the glory of God. I'll pass up riches and everything else just in order to be of service to God. Why? I've got to reach my world. And, and you know, the attitude of every person who, who ministers, regardless of, of why you're ministering, you know, and, and every now and then we have to go over and, and say, oh, Andrew, don't play that guitar so loud. Or, or Dan, don't beat those drums so, so vividly. <clears throat> or Sister Grant, back off of that pedal. <clears throat> you know. Or Brother Gaminder, <clears throat> put that funnel in that thing, whatever that is. He puts in there mute. I think it's called. <clears throat> but, well, you know, I'm really up on this stuff. <clears throat> what was it called? Mute. I really knew what it was. <clears throat> it just looks like a funnel, doesn't it? <clears throat> Well, I don't really like that thing in there because I like to hear it, you know. Just, you know, just uh, play it for the glory of God, you know. But, but you know, there are times in which you, you have to back off. There are times when people are praying around the altar. You can get so excited about what you're doing that, that you fail to realize that these people must hear the instructions given. Uh, they've got to get their mind on the Lord. And so, you know, we, we have to do that. But every person that's playing... Every person that's ministering. I'm talking about from the time an individual walks in this front door and sees a greeter. You know, they should be greeted as if this is the most important place in the world they can be in. They're in the house of God. When offerings are taken, it's the most important thing you're doing right now. This is very important. This is the reason why, like this morning, Brother and Sister Iscardo dedicating their son, Trinidad III. You know, and I'm so sorry to tell you fine people this, but, you know, they're moving up to Oxford at the end of the month. Isn't that terrible? That is just plain terrible. And I would have said something this morning, but I would have spoiled the dedication. I think what you need to do is get a hold of the Lord on their behalf. <clears throat> Praise God. But let's get let's get back to this. But is we can, we cannot turn the house of God into into just showmanship. We can't turn it in, in into just entertainment. And it is a known fact that many many churches as they begin to grow and begin to expand that they replace the invisible with the visible. After a while, it's, look at our building. Look at this carpet in here. Look at our stained glass windows. But when people come in the house of God, it's not what they look at, it's what they feel. We want them to feel the power, the transforming spirit of the Holy Ghost that can take a wretched sinner and turn him inside out. And wash him clean. And put a new heart in him. And put a new song in his heart. 
and give him hope of eternal life. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Recently, there's just a passage of Scripture. I, you know, and I, I know, I can quote this. I like to go back and look at it. Listen to this, Matthew 16, pardon me, Mark 16, verse 15. He said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, our, all of our world, I know we're sending out money, we're sending out missionaries and such, but I like to think of our world as like Dane County. You know, where, where, we, where, where should we preach? Stoughton, Cottage Grove, Verona, Oregon, Fitchburg, Wanakee, DeForest. I mean, you name it. That's where we ought to be preaching. And, and you know, we have people in this church uh, that that are, that are spread out. I mean, you know, when you, you look at Brother and Sister Powell, they they live in and and uh, Mount Horeb. No, Dodgeville. It's further down than that. Now, how far is it to Dodgeville? Fifty-four miles one way. It's a long way, you know, to drive to church. You may say, why would people do this? Well, you know, I remember driving 55 miles one way to work. Now, people thought that was a long ways, but, you know, I, I either have to move from where I'm living or quit my job. I mean, I had to drive there. There were no planes flying out of Cushing <laughs> up to Longview where I was working. But I, I didn't think a whole lot about it. I got tired. I, I, you know, I, I didn't. But, but that, that's a long ways. The, the whole problem is, though, that, that, that most people in Dodgeville would not make that trip up here to find God. That's the whole problem. Brother Sister Powell, bless their hearts, they, they're here, they're regular. Every time you turn, turn around and look, the doors are open. We have the Russells uh, <clears throat> that drive from up in Beaver Dam. And we have Brother and Sister Durbin, some people from the Beaver Dam area. Uh, how far is it up to your place, Brother Durbin? About 50 miles. Now, <clears throat> the thing about it is that it is the opposite direction. So we have people that attend this church regularly that live 100 miles apart in the other areas. Why? <clears throat> if Hardy's can put... Two restaurants, if you can call them that. I'm not sure what to call them, but I think they call it restaurants. If artists can put two restaurants, 1,000 people on the same street, and you, and you see, they, they, they consider that they complement each other because more people find out about artists. McDonald's, see, only has one there. <clears throat> but artists has two. What should we do as far as Pentecost is concerned? Now, the thing about it is <clears throat> that we must go everywhere. But then <clears throat> there's more than just going. It's when you go, you must tell them something. I had a Jehovah's Witness to knock on my door. And the Jehovah's Witness said, Do you... Do you teach that you, you have to knock on doors in order to be saved? <clears throat> I wanted to say, are you telling me that if you don't, you'll go to hell? But they don't believe in hell, see. <clears throat> so, 
So I knew that would be an inappropriate question. So we tell our people that you have to knock doors in order to be saved. I said, well, <clears throat> let me tell you something. I believe that people should knock doors, and you people probably knock more doors than we do. And certainly I want to commend you for your effort. But what you tell them when you knock on their door is just as important as knocking on the door. You better make sure that you get the truth out of the Word. <clears throat> because all your door knocking will be in vain. If what you tell them is not the true message of salvation. But we who are the keepers of truth. It's an indictment against us if we don't at least manifest the same amount of fervor. Now I'm not saying that I believe that knocking on doors is a real productive means to get people saved. In most cases... Truthfully, it isn't. Now, we have people who go out and work on the bus ministry, and, and I appreciate what they're doing, and I think this is a, an extremely productive means. But I'm talking about just going out and picking an area. Now, we, we're going to be doing some of this when we start our revival. We'll be putting flyers on doors and such, and we want people to know all about the revival and what we're doing and the fact that we believe that, that there will be a move of the Holy Ghost in every service. And, and we do believe that. We do believe that. But, but our intent, you know, is to get the, the gospel to people. We must get the gospel to people. So, in the Great Commission, Jesus said, go everywhere. Everywhere. we got people working in hospitals. People need the message of salvation there. Some work on the campus. They need it there. Wherever you work, you must keep in mind that every person there that has not been born again needs to be born again. And you should never forget that. Never forget it. And if for some reason you're not testifying or witnessing, and I think you have to need, you, you must use discretion when you do this, you have to keep in mind that your employer did not hire you to convert the people there. And he might get upset. If you try to convert them. But, but if, if, if you are discreet and if, you, if God will grant to you wisdom, and He will, if you pray for it, that the door will open. You'll be able to witness to people. You'll be able to talk to people. You will be able to do that. And you should do that. This is how our world is reached. Now, let's, let's read on. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them to believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with tongues, new tongues, they take, shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. i tell you what we need, if you want to know the truth, we need a lot of miracles taking place. If God's done anything for you, you need to tell people about it. You may say, oh, but what you need to do, Brother Grant, you need to give us an opportunity to stand and testify in church. Well, the whole, the whole thing with that is that if everybody stood tonight and told about the miracles that took place, it would only affect just a handful of people. For we are just a drop in a bucket compared to the almost 400,000 people in Dane County. In other words, there has to be an avenue by which people 
who are not in this place, they hear about it. And I believe that if we'll seek God and if we'll pray, and when we're praying for our 40 days and fasting 40 days prior to this revival, would you just pray that somehow you will be a vessel in which you can carry this precious gospel message to somebody? God, let me be a miracle to someone. Open up an avenue by which I can talk with people, in which I can deliver this gospel message. And Lord, keep me awake at night, or haunt me, or whatever you have to do to stir me. It has to be that way. Praise God. The Bible says in Acts 17, 6, this has to do with revival in Thessalonica. But these Thessalonians said the men that have turned the world upside down have come to visit us also. Then we see the Apostle Paul, as he he then goes into Athens in, 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 in Greece, and he begins to... To preach on Mars Hill. Now, the thing that amazes me is, and here's the key, listen to this. The Bible says, when Paul saw their idolatry, his spirit was stirred within him. You know, there is such a thing, you know, hearing so much that that after a while you're pretty shockless. There's no doubt about it. Listen, we... We live in a very perverted city. Seventeen people died last month in Dane County because of AIDS. Thirty-five people contacted AIDS. Just read that in the paper yesterday. Maybe some of you read it. So that's more than double the people contacted that died. In Dane County, since the AIDS epidemic, there have been over 1,200 people who have died with this disease. Well, you know, you read all this and you say, well, it's the way it is. After a while, you know, nothing stirs you. Now, you have to keep in mind, idolatry has been in the world since way back. You know, this was not a new thing. But what stirred Paul? And that stirring seemed, seemed to be the prime mover. That's what pushed him out. Because of his intimacy with God in prayer. You know, whatever stirs God should be on your mind. Whatever moves God should move you. And I think we, need, we just, you know, we, we need to look at situations. And we need to become alarmed about things. You know, there's no doubt about it. When when people really get on fire and they want to, let's say, work at the altar, they say, I'm going to get myself to the, a, a minister at the altar. The only way you can pray people through the Holy Ghost is you've got to understand the urgency of the hour. If this person leaves this church, this person may never come back to this church again. This person may never have anybody praying with them again. This may be the last time they ever hear someone worship God and speak in tongues. And it's that... That urgency that grips the the atmosphere that causes you to keep on praying and 
and, and creates that fervency that we cannot let go until this person is born of the Spirit. And then you try to get the people baptized. And some people say, I don't like to be pushed. You know, I've just told people, look, I don't want you to think I'm pushing. I don't like to be pushy. But at the same time, I kept on pushing. Now, I didn't tell them I wasn't pushy. I said, I don't like to be. <clears throat> but I happen to know this, that if you don't push and you don't press, you won't get people baptized. Because there's a devil that's pushing. There's a devil that's pressing. There's a devil that's saying no to ever yes. It's there. It's there. And you see, when we have a church service, everything that can be done for God in this service must be done. I know. Like tonight, I this just came over me. And I, I don't like, I'm not an alarmist. Most of you know that. I don't get shaken by a lot of things. But you know, I, I thought, Lord, I, I just can't, I can't get up and take this offer for these missionaries. I, I told Sister Grant, I said, we don't have the material, I'll wait till some other time. Yeah, and then I wait around the revival to start, and it's not a good time. And after a while, it's, it's, it's May, and it's time to take up our offering, and I don't have people committed. Then you know what's going to happen? And when we turn our offering in, it's going to be less and Missions department's going to have to inform the missionaries that no, those three preachers in India in this particular area cannot go because we don't have the money to send them. That's exactly what I was thinking up here. I thought, should I, should I not? No, Brother Richie, those uh, preachers in Martinique cannot go to Bible school. We don't have the money. Everything that can be done for God tonight should be done for God tonight. And I'm certainly looking forward to entering into a harmony with my brothers and sisters so that we're all in one mind and one accord, drinking from the fountain of God, seeing things from God's point of view, understanding the urgency of the hour. That's what caused Paul to preach on Mars Hill. You think that this man was just such a great orator that, that, that they said, Oh, man, we've got this famous apostle. We'll just let him come up here on this idolatrous hill and tell us all about his God. It was not that. It was because his spirit was stirred within him and God set the stage. We were just going through some plans about reaching people for the sake of our 100-show revival. And someone brought up, well, you know, knocking on doors seems to be uh, not a real productive means to get people saved. Well, I know that there are other means to get people saved than that. But I found this out through the years. You know, when you just, when you have a desire, when you get up, you know what happens? God gets up. When you sit down, guess what happens? God sits down. I've gone places and preached, and they tell, we haven't had anybody this year to receive the Holy Ghost. 
I preached in one place. I said, I don't think we had anyone receive the Holy Ghost in 15 years. I can hardly believe that. What have you been doing all these, these times? Well, we've been singing our songs. Talking about, you know, the old rugged cross, preaching, the whole works. How can you go that long without somebody receiving the Holy Ghost? Where's your baptismal tank? We don't have anybody to baptize. <clears throat> go get your tank and fill it up with water. Why? We haven't baptized anybody in 15 years. It'll be another 15 years, too. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You get that tank and you get that water in that tank and you keep that tank clean and you put that heater, thank the Lord, the heaters in there. And, and all of this, what, this is all a sign of your trust, your faith, your belief in God. When you walk out of that prayer room with red-rimmed eyes and you can hardly see the back door and, and yet when you focus in, and you see somebody walking in, you're wondering if that isn't someone you invited to church. There was a woman here Thursday night that was in church before probably half a dozen people. And I went up and met her and talked with her. And you know what she told me? She said, oh, yes. She said, uh, Rich and Peggy Thomas are teaching me a Bible study. And she said, I'm sorry, I'm not dressed. And she said, something inside was telling me, no, don't go because you're not dressed. But she said, I looked down, I looked at myself, and I said, I cannot procrastinate. Because I have put it off and put it off and put it off. And if I'm going to go, I guess I might as well go tonight. So she said, Pastor, you'll just have to forgive me for looking so informal. I said, well, ma'am, I don't really think Jesus cares. You're here. And that's the important thing. Hallelujah. Rich came in the office. I said, the lady that you taught a Bible study to is here tonight. He was so excited about it. Oh, praise God. Peggy and I have been praying and talking to her. And we want to see her saved, you know. Well, she's out there. And you know what she did? She sat through the whole service and then through the altar to all. She was still standing back there. And I went back and talked with her. She said, I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. When we get up, God gets up. When we sit down, God sits down. You see, a lot of people are only interested in sitting in heavenly places. You know, Paul said we sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. But you see, the sum total of Christianity cannot be what we experience right here in this church service. And if it's the sum total of what you're getting out of God, you are cheating God and yourself. I said, you're cheating God and yourself. And the key is, see, just stay teamed up with the Lord. So that after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and set on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. You see, when you start testifying to someone, 
would you envision God standing right beside you? You may say, well, he expects me to do all the talking. If you do all the talking, you won't ever teach that Bible study. You have to understand that God can talk while you're talking. That he is not just a silent partner. The greatest voice they will ever hear is that voice that speaks within them, that prompts them, pushes them. Don't tell me God doesn't talk with people. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and you were real busy and maybe you overslept or something and noon went by and you hadn't prayed and sought the Lord? Then come mid-afternoon, you're busy and all of a sudden you get this sick feeling inside of you. Just this sick feeling inside. So what's wrong with me? Then it occurs to you, I, I'm I'm suffering because I didn't pray. There's a longing in my soul to get in a quiet place with God. He and I are a team. And I'm letting him down today because he's having to work without me. That's exactly what he does. He works without you. I don't know about you, but I get this sick feeling inside, really. I said, Lord, I can't go any longer. I've got to communicate. I've got to talk. I've got to slow down long enough. Christianity, when it becomes mechanical, you end up as a first-rate hypocrite. You've got to have the touch of God in your soul. You've got to walk with Jesus. It's got to be that way! So that when I'm witnessing doing my part, he's not the silent partner. He's there talking also. For no man can come to God except the Spirit draweth him. I'm talking about reaching our world. The part of this that we're responsible for. Listen, if you're, if you're in a position of leadership, don't dare drag your feet. The hour's too late. Give it your best shot. You see, we rounded the last curve. We're running toward home now. The finish line is in sight. We're headed toward the year of 2000, the seventh millennium of the human race on the planet Earth. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. We need a confirmation. We need a confirmation. But if there's nothing preached, there is nothing to be confirmed. Matthew 9, I will close with this. I just feel like, quite frankly, I've done a very poor job tonight representing what I think that God wants to accomplish. Matthew 9, 37. 
38. Then he said unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. What is the harvest? Jesus gave a parable about the tares that were sown among the wheat. And he talks about the field, and he says the field is the world. And the amazing thing is that tares were sown among the wheat. The Bible says, while men slept, Satan sowed the seed there. Now, there's a great harvest out there. I wonder how many Harold Wolves walk our street dying of cancer and such. I wonder. You know, one thing that affected me so greatly, I remember going in a little church building in Strasbourg, Austria, and I saw a little plaque on the wall. The church was opened in 1409. And every service, every week since 1409, before Columbus discovered the new world, they've been having church there. And then you go out in the graveyard, which is nearby, cemetery. And there's just grave after grave after grave. <clears throat> and what they do, they, 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 they bury these people on top of each other. They do that here a lot, too, but been doing it there because of the lack of space. Sometimes they have to exhume or pull out the, the casket and dig the hole deeper. Sometimes they even stand the caskets up. You know. But but the thing about it is <clears throat> I I know that there is has been in this area a, a real drought. Word of God has not been preached in a plenteous fashion. It only stands to reason that if the harvest is plenteous, there has to be plenty of preaching. Whatever it takes to get a plenteous harvest, there has to be plenty of it. Plenty of prayer, plenty of devotion, plenty of everything. And the thing about it is, <clears throat> the more people who back off and say, I won't do it, then the people who are doing it, they must compensate somehow by giving themselves in a greater degree. But Jesus, this is what he had to say in verse 38. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. I remember when we decided we were going to build this building. We didn't have enough money and we didn't have the expertise. I went to the Lord. I read this. And in a physical sense, I went to the Lord and I prayed. I said, now, Lord, we need people that can do this. We, we, there's a whole lot of drywall that needs to go in this building. We don't have any drywall men. Would you believe that God sent us some drywall men? We need some plumbers. 
we, we had plumbers. And we just kept praying. After a while, we had enough uh, skills, skilled people, to, to build this. We did not lay the brick. We didn't put the heating and air conditioning in. But outside of that, uh, well, and the electrical. But uh, outside of that, we just pretty much did it. But you see, now the need is not for someone to hang drywall. It's not for someone to paint walls. God's trying to build a different kind of house now. A house that's not made with hands. A temple that he can live in. Someone to occupy the throne. I've been praying, God, we need laborers. Brother Dan Capaccio worked so faithfully for years and years and years on the bus route. Now he has some help. Brother Thomas came along and decided he wanted to commit to this. And of course, Brother Blake, Brother Andrew. Sister Yolanda is working. Uh, I'm overlooking some, I know. Jeff and Valerie Vaughn, we've won some people. Sister Vega now is helping. She's off the bus route and in the back. We're in the back. We have her sister back there. It's just filled with the Holy Ghost a couple of weeks ago. And others. You know what we need, though? We need we need several other rich Thomases and Dan Capaccios. Because what they're doing, the Broadway Simpson, we need to do on the north side and several other places. Rich and Peggy want to start a church in Stoughton in time and he is just praying that, you know, he wants timing is so valuable. I want to see him go. I want to see him start a church there. But at the same time, if he and Peggy pulled out, they'd leave a big, big hole in this church. He's been so valuable in training and teaching. God can move upon Brother and Sister Knopp. They've been such a blessing to our campus ministry. If he went someplace and started a church or what else, what other, what else were there? He'd leave a big, big hole. Now, <clears throat> the thing about it is, when we think about people like this leaving a big hole, but what about people, though, that are out there, and there's nobody in their area, nobody in their community. See, only God knows what could have been done. Only God knows. <clears throat> what if John and Debbie Repka... Brother and Sister Seidel and not have witnessed up in DeForest. 
have Pete, Jennifer with us. We have the Escaridos. You made mention of them. Please understand, I'm not preaching this way, Brother Trinidad, to make you feel guilty about going up there. He's going to Brother Decker's church, and I know of no finer man than Brother Norman Decker or no area that needs another witness more than that area. The harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. When we fast and pray for our 40 days, I'm not going to ask you to commit. I'm just going to tell you. Make sure that every day you pray, that you pray, God, send laborers. The harvest is plenteous. Send laborers. If all of us turned into preachers this very night, and if all of us left from this place to reach our community by individual efforts and starting churches, we could not do it before Jesus comes. It's going to take a miraculous move of the Holy Ghost. But if we get up to do it, he gets up to see that it's done. I'd like for you to stand with me at this time. Oh, God of heaven. Reaching our world. I, the Lord of the harvest, walk every inch of the field. There is not one, not one stalk, not one vine, not one tree, not one plant that I haven't carefully examined. And I have stood there, I have prompted, I have encouraged, I have done what I can do, but I send you forth. And I am believing that when human hands touch the harvest, that there will be a great reaping hour. I ask of you to encourage yourself in my spirit and team with me And we shall go forth together. And there will be that great day in which my house will be filled. 
I send you forth with my own love, my own compassion, my own concern, my own desire. But let my characteristics stir within you so that you follow my leading, saith the Lord of the harvest. Oh, God. Oh, God. Lord, we love you, God. Do talk with us. Do speak to us, oh God. If you're here without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God wants to save you. He wants to fill you tonight. Come on, just let Him have His way in your life. Come down to the front and seek for the Holy Ghost, would you? Jesus, use me. And, O Lord, don't refuse me, for surely there's a work that I can do. And even though it's humble, Lord, help my That said, bring and someone and pray with them. The cost be great, Team up with someone. Work for you. That's it. Oh, he is so wonderful. Oh, Jesus, use me. And, oh, Lord, don't refuse me. For surely there's a work. That I can do. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. And though the cost, oh, hallelujah, 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 I'll work for you. Jesus, use me, and our Lord, don't refuse me, for surely there's a work that I 